0: We've been doing a five-part series and some of the staff taking the mickey out of me now. It's gone that long. They're saying pastors are on his part six going to be mowing. <laughs> we, we have looked at part one. We've looked at the whole series of quitting is not an option for those that are new here. We've looked at part one, keep going. We've put it looked at part two, you've got to keep growing as a person. Part three, you've got to keep sowing and giving and not not, not quitting on giving yourself to others. Part four, we talked about keep rowing. And if you're going to be in the same boat with the same people, you know, let's get in the same direction, which is what we're on about as a church. Part, part five is going to be keep throwing, keep throwing. I want to read our opening scripture. Could you stand with me together? as we position our life around God's word right now, as we read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. Shall we start? Here we go. Therefore, now whenever you see therefore, what's it there for? <laughs> therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by an ordinary negative good-for-nothing bunch of losers. (laughs) Therefore, the Bible says we are surrounded by a great company that we will join one day. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Mm. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run... If you're going to be a disciple, you cannot be still. Move with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him. Who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and a discouraged soul. Loving Father, I pray um, as always and am thankful first and foremost for the enormous privilege that a person has to stand here and speak and deliver not my own personal opinion, but your word. And I pray that your people who are, the dis- who are your disciples and your church would hear your voice for their lives in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Grab a seat for a minute. I want to speak to you very quickly. I, I'm going to try all that I can to finish this thing. I want to speak to you about three things in this passage of scripture. I want to speak to you about the crowd. You'll see it in there. I want to speak to you about capacity and commitment. The crowd, the witnesses. Your capacity is going to be determined by what you throw off and what you put on. And commitment is going to require your endurance because this is not a 100-metre sprint. It's not. You've got to go to the Long Haul, man you've got to understand tension, struggle, difficulty, trial, testing, when your back is against the wall, when you want to call it a day, when you're finished, when you've had enough with yourself and you've had enough with God and you've had enough with people, you've got to find something to keep, keep at it. You're going to need to find it. You're going to need to find it when the medical report comes, comes to you and it's not what you wanted. You're going to need to find it when you suddenly lose your job and you don't know what to do with yourself. You're going to need to find it when your marriage is on the rocks. You're going to need to find it when you can't find your way and you're desperately trying to find a way out and a way. In. You're going to need to find it. This is not a quick sprint. Firstly, let us look at the crowd. Since we are surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses why is the crowd of interest this morning why even mention it what's it got to do with you and who is in the crowd and the reason the bible says therefore is because you have to understand the preceding chapter this crowd does not is not compromised of angels it's not com- com- not comprised of celestial beings or a heavenly choir this is not the crowd that the Bible's talking about. The Bible is talking about a crowd of people that are watching us who are ordinary people, flawed, in perfect humanity. These people have got, had drama in their lives and full of shortcomings, and the Bible calls them a great cloud of witnesses. And if you feel like, if you feel like you're two pegs short of where you should be, and you question your own imperfections and flaws, You are a great candidate to be part of a great cloud of witnesses one day. They are imperfect people, struggled through pain, passion, problems, struggles, mistakes, mishaps, delays and yet they completed their course. And they're in heaven's cheer squad in the amphitheatre of this grand and glorious stadium. Gladiators of faith and courage cheering you on, saying it's your turn. Turn around to your friend, to your neighbour, to the person next to you and say, it's your turn. It's your turn, man. It's your turn. Who is numbered there? In Hebrews 11, you'll find Abel there. Enoch's there. Noah is there but he he also had an issue with drinking at one stage. Abraham's there, had an issue with lying at one stage. Isaac, Jacob had an issue with deception at one stage. Joseph, Moses knocked off a bloke, that wasn't too flash. Rahab was a a prostitute, she's in that list. Gideon struggled with self-image and self-worth and self-belief. David was there, do we need to talk about his mishaps? (laughs) Samson was there, he loved a few women, not just one. And they're all in this company of great people who continued to believe God, who were sorry for their actions, who understood their imperfections, but never quit keeping faith. And if you don't feel perfect and you feel like a dropkick and you don't even feel like you belong in this crowd of people, I don't know why you wouldn't think that and you feel like you've just dropped short of where you need to be, and you don't feel like you can measure up, and you don't feel like your standard is where it needs to be, I'm telling you, you can be numbered amongst a group of people that kept having faith and kept believing God and never quit on believing all that He had destined them for. You're in good company here. You're among broken people here. You're among destitute people here. My word, you're, you're among people who are still trying to figure it out here. Because none of us have arrived, have we? We haven't. And if you have, we'd like to, we'd like to hear from you. <laughs> Maybe you can help us. I, I just love it when someone is cheering you on. I love it when someone's watching you. How good is it when someone's watching you? How different it is when someone is watching you? These patriarchs, matriarchs, the prophets, priests, kings are all watching and cheering on and saying it's your turn. How good is it to feel good about yourself when someone's watching out for you and watching you? When you get a text, man, you got this. When someone's your personal cheer squad, and says, "Good luck today. I know you'll do great." Or you get a phone call, "Hey, I know this is not easy on you, but I also know you've got what it takes, man." Yes. How good it is to have the spirit that Denise has here and just constantly encourages you, even when you don't need encouragement. <laughs> or you get, or you get a, or somebody text you and you're going through a really tough time and they text you, you are more than an overcomer in Christ, don't forget it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Even better when you start getting the Word of God sent to you. How great it is when people are watching you. How good it is to be a part of a connect group. How good it is not to do the Christian life alone. How good it is to hang out with a group of people in your connect groups. And if you have nowhere to go on a Wednesday when they're on, come here. Trudy and Paul are opening up connect groups for people that are seeking to want to be champions in life. If you can't get here and you live miles away, you jump on with Kate and I on our regional Zoom connect. We will encourage you. We will. Mark and Kendall jump on. They travel here on a Sunday two hours away from church. They jump on live. The bright people jump online. Yeah. Phil and Jan, Chapman jump online three and a half plus hours away from Castle, Maine. Yeah. How great it is to be a part of a group of people that cheer one another on and you 're not alone. Yeah. How depressing when there's no one watching you <laughs> For us football fans, and just bear with me, okay? Oh, no, I feel it straight away, eh? As soon as I say football, it's like there's manifestations going on around the place. True Christianity has a component of football in it, man. (laughs) It's a team sport. What about the guys these last couple of years, you know, when the whole COVID thing broke out, and they walk out into an empty stadium and no one's watching them. Just empty, void. Just no one cheering them on, but each other. What about a full stadium? What about a full stadium? What about when your team, the Geelong Cats, walk on then? And you're in the stadium. You haven't come just to sit down and suck on air. You're in the stadium seated there because you want your team to win and we are surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses who are cheering you on because they want you to win. They want you to make a difference. They want you to make a penetration. They want you to do something with your life. They want you to be fruitful. They want you to be useful. They want you to bear fruit. They want you to save souls. They want us to win another town for Jesus, win another family for Jesus, feed another soul for Christ. They are up there cheering us on on, not just for the heck of taking up a seat. You are not alone. And if you don't have anyone cheering you on, I'm here to encourage you, there's a heavenly grandstand full of people cheering you on. Todd came up, he talked to me, have you heard about the Wanganya Bush Football Club? I'm thinking, man, what? How do you even pronounce that? He said, Zoran, he said they lost by 430 points a few weeks back. And shortly after, they lost by 358 points. And it made it in the Daily Mail in the United Kingdom. Now, one bush town football club did not make it on the news in the UK because it lost by 438 points. It made it in the news. Because somebody said, I want to cheer on a bunch of losers. Premiership coach Mick Malthouse, and if you're a magpie, (laughs) he put his hand up and he says, I'm going to coach this side. They're known as the Lions. And the Brisbane Lions AFL club said, we're going to loan them some players too because we're the Lions and we bear the same name as you. And the reason why we got a grandstand of people barracking for us is we are championing the same name they championed and they are right behind us as the fourth and final relay runner in the race. is another message. They're cheering us on. Let New Life Chapel, you ready for this? Let New Life Chapel be Aubrey Wodonga, one of Aubrey Wodonga's loudest cheer squads, man. Let us cheer on the city. Let us cheer on the region. Let us champion the things that God wants to do here. I said to Trudy, I said, I don't know what to do about this. I said, they've been trying to get a, Big hospital here, a new hospital for ages. I said, what can we do as a church to cheer on and champion and lobby for a brand new hospital? I don't know. Why does everything have to be left to the political leaders? Why can't the body of Christ, which I consider the most potent and influential community on this, on the, in this nation, come together and do, why can't we do some stuff? and champion the city and stop just waiting on political leaders it's just a thought that's all they're saying it's your turn the crowd is in the the crowd is in the in the, in the text capacity is in the text capacity is in the text where is the capacity in that verse let us lay aside and throw off the NIV says just a few weights just a few selective ones I'll hold on to the others every weight that and sin that easily entangles you. my question to you is what weight or sin is keeping you from becoming everything that God destined for you to be. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, if I can say it nicely, you gotta strip down, man. You gotta strip that weight down. When I registered to go cycling in the Cadell Evans Great Ocean Road thing, I thought, gee, man, we're gonna climb some hills. You strip your weight down, and you condition yourself. Pumped out of several trips, climbing, climb, 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 couple of days time, climb again, climb, A couple of days time, find, find a bigger hill to climb, 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 climb the hills, climb the hills with a bike. It's easier to ride on the flat, climb the hills. Mind you, we are nothing in comparison to the great Marty Cross who, <laughs> when it comes to cycling, Marty. But I'm prepared to give you a go For the first two (laughs) kilometres. And then I asked a friend, just at the spare of the moment, I said, do you want to come? I gave him a week's notice. He was a little bit more... um, Robust? He was a bit more robust. And didn't give himself time to condition himself. So when we hit... When we hit resistance... When we hit the opposition of the hill, when we hit that was something against us, I flew up that sucker. I went so far further, I had to wait for him to catch up. If you're going to go the distance and complete God's assignment on your life, you're going to need endurance. You're going to need to be conditioned spiritually, emotionally and mentally. But you're going to need to shave some weight off, the heavy stuff. The difference between sin and weight, there's a difference. Somebody said not every sin is weight, but not every weight is sin. It's a thought. The difference between the weight and sin is, this is it in in my language, sin hardens you, weight can hinder you. In, uh, in other words, you can take on certain weights and heaviness on your life and there's no law against it and there's no sin. It's not sinful, but it's heavy. Who's with me? Let, let, me, give you, let me give you the scripture in 1 Corinthians 6.12. Paul said, Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. And everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by it. What do we mean by that? Weights. Heaviness of, over your life. Heavy, heavy stuff. That's not a sin, but it's heavy. What are we talking about? I thought about putting a list together for you. Procrastination can be a weight. Being disorganized can be a weight. You are you either organise or agonise. Failure can be a weight if you allow it to come on you. Did you know, in, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but did you know in the Serbian language where I come from, we do not have a word for failure. I don't know if I've ever said that here. We don't have a word for failure. Can't inter- they can't interpret it. I said, how do you interpret failure? Failure. Pastor, that we interpret it, you know, we have the word "fall," falling and fell. That's it. Failure has the connotation of permanency to it. Fall, falling, or fell means you can what? Get back up again. It becomes a weight if it's permanency attached to it. But it becomes something you can shrug off if you understand you can get back up again. Amen. The other weight is taking things personally. You know, I could preach on every one of these. Every one of these. If you're, going to go, if you're going to go the long haul, you're going to have to learn not to take things personally. It'll take you out. If you're going to get into the leadership, you're going to have to learn that even bigger way. People who take things personally and sometimes misread and misinterpret things and take it personally. Oh Lord, I could go there. (laughs) Comparing yourself is a heavy weight, rob you from being who you are. The lack of discipline and laziness can be, lack of discipline can lead to laziness and that can be sinful if it leads there. I don't have time to expand on that. Entitlement can be a weight. Oh, how can entitlement be a weight? The millennials have got to watch this. People have gone through the Great Depression have much to say about this. Entitlement breeds selfishness, especially when a person doesn't get their way, which can often lead to isolation from those who were once your friend. And can lead to depression. Oh, man. Listen, you're going to have to bear with me. I'm going to go a little bit longer today. Promise we're going to finish this series. Entitlement. In one church where I served, we planned on putting a youth pastor in a position. There was a beautiful man in our church who was a great servant of the young people. And I had this inkling that it wouldn't go down with him if we put this other person as the youth pastor. I was concerned because, I, you know, in, in leadership, good to have discernment. And I discerned something. <laughs> I go to his house with his wife there and I speak to him and I tell him, we've finally made a decision, we're going to put so-and-so in as the youth pastor and, and he collapsed on me. He goes, what's wrong with me? I said, nothing. Why can't I have the role? We just don't feel to head that way. Well, couldn't you train me? I said, we could. But it doesn't mean that you get the role. He hung his whole world and his whole identity on a position that was not coming his way. It's gone quiet here, man. He was after something that was either prematurely, it was either premature or it wasn't right. But what wasn't right was to appoint him a role that he really wanted now. As a result, as a result, he stopped serving. As a result, he attended church frequently. As a result, he stopped attending church. As a result, his marriage busted up. He really, really, he tortured himself with the heavy, heavy, heavy weight that was unnecessary. And I said to him, "You can be a fantastic number one, two man." And yet sometimes there are people who are a number two, one man. And we have to be careful about what we think we are entitled to if it's not coming our way. Look, is it worth your marriage? I said to this guy, the young people love you, man. They love you. Please don't pull out. I followed him up. Please don't pull out. They love you. What you bring here is incredible. So the focus was now now no longer what can I do to bring to somebody else rather when is somebody else going to bring what I want to me and then we lose sight of the scripture in Proverbs where it says he who refreshes others will himself refresh you move from refreshing to resentment am I, speaking, am I scratching something here who's itchy hey, can I keep going you're going to let you're going to let me please give me a little bit more time today I'm going to finish this, man. Let me put it to you this way. Even if you're anointed and you're called to do something, it does not mean that you're entitled to it immediately or on the calendar of your own life. God calls David to be the king, doesn't he? Who's with me? You know your Bible? Saul comes and anoints David as king. What happens? Well, Bring it on, man. No, no, no. Oh, no. Saul's king. But I, Samuel just anointed me. Yeah. Not your time, Jack. Yeah, but I just had an anointing service, man. They anointed me with oil. The elders got around me. They, you know. Exaggerating, but. What happens? David is still on the run, he's being abused by his leader. Man, that's another, a lot of paths here. Lots of paths. Lots of back alley tracks here. And his leader who's abusing him, David's hiding in a cave and Saul comes in, wants to relieve himself. And Saul's relieving himself. And David's, David's men are over here saying, man, you've been called king. God has delivered him in your hand. Crawl up and stick him one with the blade. David, no. His men said, we'll do it. Your team, hey, they'll do it. He could have wiped his hands clean and said, you do it. He said, no. He crawls up to his leader and clips a bit of the garment, you know the story, a little bit off the end of it, and walks away and felt bad about doing that. He didn't kill him because you know why? Because it wasn't his time and he wasn't entitled to it. He chose... David chose virtue over hurt you. And the difference is, here's the difference. David's sitting, David's sitting down in his throne, finally, finally, finally king one day. Can you imagine this story? Grandchild comes up. Grandpa, Grandpa King Dave, Grandpa, tell me the story how you became king. Or we don't want to talk about that. (laughs) No, no, tell me the story how you became king. Well, your grandpa pulled a blade out one day and knifed him. Young man, sit down here. I'm going to tell you about endurance. Young man, sit down here. I'm going to tell you about how to watch entitlement. Young man, sit down. I'm going to tell you about when God speaks to you about something how his calendar works different to yours? Oh Lord! Listen quickly. Can you give me a, who's who's happy to come on, man? It's just quarter past eleven. Far out. <laughs> hey, I went to <laughs> went. went <laughs> What about sin? What about sin? What about sin? I lost the whole list. Can you bring up the sin? Galatians 5. Cast off, get rid of weight and sin. The sin. Galatians 5. Immorality, adultery, hatred, jealousy, fits of rage, drunkenness, murder, witchcraft, division. Get rid of it. You know, honestly, I'm in trouble. Hey, I could go for another half hour. Get rid of, get rid of, get rid of it. It'll entangle you, knot you up, and rob you from everything God has destined you to be. And understand that it, when it comes to sin, Jesus Christ conquered it on the cross, so that you could be free from it. You could be free from it. You, Jesus dealt with it. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit that lives in you. You can shake sin off because of Jesus Christ who died for it and delivered himself up for it and set you free from it. You can do it. So, I better finish. Hang it. So, what does God do with your sin? What does He do with it? In Micah chapter 7, verse 9, He says, You will again have compassion on us. You will tread upon our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities in the depths of the sea. That's where He puts them. That's where He puts them. What are you going to do with yours? What are you going to do with your weight? What are you going to do with your heavy stuff? Hey, what are you going to do? What are you, can someone unzip that for me? (laughs) What are you going to do with your heavy, who's, who's with me? Just give me a little bit of time. If you have to go, you have to go. What are you going to do with your heavy stuff? You know how heavy this stuff is? What are you going to do with it? That's exactly where I'm going, man. Who said that? Build a house. What are you going to do with this heavy stuff? What are you going to, can someone finish paving? Pave me a path. Pave me a path. What are you going to do with these bricks? What are you going to do with them? What are you going to do with the weight of anger? What are you gonna do with a rate of hatred and unforgiveness and resentment and taking things personally and your entitlement and your jealousy? What are you going to do with this stuff? What are you gonna do with it? Here, listen, bricks can either bury you or they can build you. You can either be burdened by them or you can build them. You can turn pain into a pathway or you can turn rubble and ruin into a roadway, you can get your heavy stuff and put them under your feet and sing that song, it's under my feet, it's under my feet, it's under my feet, it's under my feet. Devil, you're under my feet. Let's get the uh, musicians up here, please, while I'm, in, while I'm in a singing mood, while I'm in a singing mood. Otherwise, I'll, I'll just keep going. I'll just keep going. And what are you going to do with the heavy stuff that you can't carry? What are you going to do? I better finish. Come on up. I, what are you going to do with the heavy stuff? I finished. So hard. it was difficult to even pick up this backpack. What are you going to do? You're going to fill it up and carry this stuff around? What, is that what you're going to do? And how long have you been carrying all the heavy stuff in your life? Wow. How long? Yeah. Hey, have you become so infatuated with your heaviness? that you love it so much that you can't wait to put some more in there? Have you become become so full of self-pity and woe is me and oh how hard it is and you just keep stacking that sucker? Who today is going to pull this stuff out and throw it away and throw it off yourself? And if you're going to throw it Do not just throw it just on the ground here right in front of you so it's that easy to pick up again. You pick that sucker up and you throw it as far as you can. And you walk away. You walk away from it. You don't go near it. You don't go close to it. You don't go really, 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 really. You don't become so intimate with it. It's weighed you down, throw it and walk away. And by the way, Do not throw your weight around at other people for goodness sakes. Do not throw your heaviness at other people. Do not throw your weight around and hit other people with it. You have one place to take your weight. Matthew 11, 20 says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You bring your weight to Him. You bring your concerns to Him. You bring your anger to Him. You bring your resentment to Him. You bring all the stuff that's weighed you down to Him. You bring the stuff that's making you, annoying you. You bring your annoyance to Him. You bring your complaints to Him. You bring your heavy burdens to Him. And He will give you rest. He will give you rest.